Hi, everyone. Welcome to my second podcast. Uh, To start off, we're going to start talking about NFL Week 14. So the Thursday night game tomorrow is going to be the Raiders versus the Rams. Uh, Baker Mayfield is expected to play, but I don't think that will make much of a difference as the Raiders are on a roll. Um, I'm going to take the Raiders by 10 in this Thursday night showdown. Next up is Eagles at Giants. Uh, I think the Giants are a lot like the Tennessee Titans where their offense revolves around their running back. I think the Eagles are going to shut down Saquon Barkley, and that's going to be the key to the game. I'm going to take the Eagles by 14, um, just because I don't think the Giants are going to be able to hang with the Eagles' offense. Next up is Browns at Bengals. Uh, Deshaun Watson looked horrible last week, and unless he goes off for five or six touchdowns, I think that the Bengals are going to take this one by 13. Next up is Jags at Titans. Jags are coming off a bad loss to the Lions. The Titans are also coming off a bad loss to the Eagles. I think the Titans are going to look to get Derrick Henry running often and early, and I think the Titans are going to win this one by 10. Next up is the Jets at the Bills. Um, I think this is the game where we see Mike White start to regress. Uh, Josh Allen's out to prove that The Bills are still a good team, although they just lost Von Miller or one of the top-notch teams. I'm going to take the Bills by six. Next up is the Ravens at the Steelers. Uh, This is a very tough game to pick because we don't know what we're going to get with Tyler Huntley. Um, I just don't think that the Ravens have that many offensive weapons that are going to be able to stand out for Huntley. So I'm going to take the Steelers in this game by three. Next up, we have the Dolphins at the Chargers. I think the Chargers just have too many injuries. Not a big fan of their head coach and some of his decisions, so I think that's going to play a big factor in the game. Um, I'm going to take the Dolphins by 10. Next up is the battle for Texas. We got the Texans at the Cowboys. Uh, I don't think this is going to be much of a battle. The Texans are a horrible team. Um... Brandon Cooks is, and Damian Pierce are really the only highlights of their team. I don't think Cooks has been doing much lately, and that's not going to change against the Cowboys, and Damian Pierce is going to have trouble running against them. I'm going to take the Cowboys by 24. Next up, we have the Vikings at the Lions. Uh, the Vikings only have two losses this year, and the Lions, I think, have seven, but yet the Lions are favored. Um I think the Lions' offense is good, but I don't think their defense is going to be able to stop Jefferson, Thielen, and Dalvin Cook. I will take the Vikings by 17. Next up is the Chiefs at the Broncos. Um, I don't think Andy Reid's going to look to pour it on the Broncos, although they aren't very good. Um, Their offense really can't score at all. So I'm going to take the Chiefs by 13, and I just think they're going to pull off the gas pedal probably about the third quarter. Next up, we have the Bucks at the Niners. A uh, very tough game to pick because the Bucks haven't been playing well and the Niners just lost their quarterback. I think this is going to be a defensive battle, and I think the Niners are going to win it by three. Next up is the Panthers at the Seahawks. The Seahawks are an intense battle for that last wild card spot with Washington and the Giants. Um, I think they're going to come out swinging. And I'm going to say without Kenneth Walker, they win by six. With Kenneth Walker, they win by 14. I think he's a very vital part to that offense, and he's going to be sorely missed in that game if he can't play. Finally, we have the Pats at the Cardinals, which is Monday Night Football. 
the Cardinals haven't been playing very well this season. They lost tight end Zach Ertz. Um, some of their other guys have been injured. Kyler Murray isn't playing well. And I think that Pat's defense is really good. And that's another team that's trying to stay in the playoff race. So I think it's going to come down to the wire. I think the Pats will win by three. Look for Hunter Henry to have a huge game to lead the Pats over the Cardinals. Okay, so now I'm going to look at the playoff outlook. And this is as of week 14. So um, I took the top three teams from each division just because I think it's a long shot for um, any teams outside of that last playoff spot to make it in. So on each side, AFC and NFC, I took the team with the last spot, and then I took the two teams below them, and I'm going to map out their schedule here and talk about their outlook for the rest of the year. So on the AFC side, the Jets are in with a record of 7-5. and five. The Patriots are the first team out with a record of 6-6, six and six, with the Chargers also having a record of 6-6. Six and six. So the Jets' remaining schedule is going to be the Bills, which I think they're going to lose, the Lions, which I think they're going to beat, the Jaguars, that I also believe they're going to beat, and then the Seahawks and the Dolphins, which I think they are both going to lose. So I think that they're going to end up with a record of 9-8, and eight, and their best-case scenario, if they would knock off a team like the Bills, the Seahawks, or the Dolphins, would be 10-7. and seven. I don't see them getting more than 10 wins this year. Next, we go to the Patriots. The Patriots play the Cardinals, which I think they'll win, the Raiders, which I also think they'll win, and they finish up playing the Bengals, the Dolphins, and the Bills. I think the most likely scenario for this team is 8-9, and nine, and I think if they lose to the Cardinals or the Raiders, they could end up being 7-10. and 10. I do not think they'll be able to overtake the Jets at this point for the final AFC wildcard spot. Finally, we go to the LA Chargers. They will play the Dolphins, which I believe they will lose. They will play the Titans, which I also believe they will lose. And they will play the Colts, then the Rams, and the Broncos. So I think their best case scenario is 9-8. and eight. But if they can upset the Titans or the Dolphins, which I believe the Titans is more likely, they'll end up with a 10-7 and record. So depending on how things shake out, I think it comes down to the final week between the Jets and the Chargers, depending on if they do what they're supposed to do. Now, on the NFC side, right now the Giants are in with a record of 7-4-1. and one. Seattle is outside looking in, in the in the first spot outside the wild card at seven and five, and Washington is next to them at seven five and one. The Giants will play Philadelphia twice, and I believe that they will lose both times. But that is a series where they could split. They will play Washington, which I believe they will beat. They will play Minnesota, which I believe they will lose, and then they will finish up with Indianapolis, and I believe they will win that game. If they do not split the series with Philadelphia, they will end up at 9-7-1. And, and if they do, they will end up at 10-6-1. I believe that this will be enough for them to get the first wildcard spot. And I do apologize, Seattle is in the wildcard spot 
for the, the second one. So it's between them and Washington. So now we go to Seattle. They play the Panthers, which I believe they will beat. They play the 49ers, which I also believe they will beat. They play the Chiefs, which I believe they will lose to. The Jets, which I believe they will probably lose to. And the Rams, which they will beat. So their best case scenario is 9-8. and eight, And if they can upset a team like the 49ers then I believe that they will end up at 10-7. and seven. Finally, we have Washington, who will play the Giants, who I think they'll lose to, the 49ers, who they will beat, the Browns, who they will beat, and Dallas, who they will lose to. Their best-case scenario is 9-7-1, and one, but in the chance that they lose to the 49ers, they would be 8-8-1, eight, eight and, and they would not make the playoffs. Looking at this schedule, I think it's a little tougher to pick the NFC teams because we don't really know what the 49ers are capable of without having Jimmy Garoppolo. So that second wild card spot will probably come down to which team can beat the 49ers and which team can provide the upset. So Odell Beckham Jr. has been in the news a lot recently. He's been visiting the Giants, and it's been rumored he's going to the Bills and the Cowboys. And although that could happen, and I'm not saying it won't, I'm going to throw out a team that is kind of a dark horse to land him, and that is the Tennessee Titans. So the Titans just got done being walled by the Eagles because Derrick Henry couldn't do anything. And it showed how limited their pass catchers were and what they could actually do against an Eagles defense. So you think if Odell Beckham wants to go to the playoffs, which the Tennessee will because they're in a bad division and they are a decent team, he would be the number one player, the number one pass catcher on that team, and he would have time before the playoffs to get to 100% and to build some chemistry with Ryan Tannehill. And I'm sure at this point with the Titans, they would only want him on a one-year deal so that they would be able to see what they have, and Odell would also be able to prove himself to get a bigger deal. Let me know what you guys think, but I think the Titans would be a good option for him for both parties that are trying to get through the AFC playoffs with a team that's a little bit weaker than what they had the year before. So really quick, I want to talk about some college football. Um, so we'll talk about the Cotton Bowl. I think that uh, USC is going to beat Tulane. I think Tulane has a decent team, but they're just not going to be able to hold up against what USC has, and that is in the Cotton Bowl. Then we have the Sugar Bowl, which is Bama versus Kansas State. I think this is Bama's biggest opportunity to lose in the bowl games that's outside of the college football playoff just because I think Kansas State wants it more and Bama feels kind of slighted and they're distracted from the fact that they didn't get into the football playoff. And then we also go to the Orange Bowl, which is Tennessee versus Clemson. I think Tennessee is a lot better team, and I think they want to show that they were slighted by not getting into the college football playoff and being ranked lower than Alabama. Also in college football, uh, I want to talk about my buddy who I went to high school with and played a couple sports with. Uh, he's the kicker for Maryland, Chad Ryland. He's had a phenomenal season and has played well throughout his college career at Eastern Michigan and Maryland. And every year he's kicked above 74% in his field goal attempts and he's going to be competing for a job in the NFL at some point soon. So 
Maybe one day I'll be able to get him here on this podcast, which would be really, really cool. But I know everyone at home wishes him the best of luck as he proceeds through to the Senior Bowl and the bowl games that he's going to be playing in in the near future. So next up, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, just some kind of like reviews, like movie type deals. So uh, we got Spider-Man No Way Home, which is a highly, highly anticipated movie. And I just want to go through and kind of rank my three Spider-Men between Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland. So coming in at number three, I'm going to give Andrew Garfield that spot. Um, He was just a little too like edgy and cringy for me as Spider-Man. And he didn't have a, you know, a great storyline to work with. Uh, Sony really screwed up what they were doing with his um, universe. But I do think he has a lot of potential if the right director and, you know, people came in that were going to give him that direction. Uh, Number two, Tom Holland. I think all three of his movies were uh, really good. He just has like the figure of Spider-Man. He's, you know, pretty funny and his universe is, you know, really good and really well-rounded. But I don't know that I see him as like the person that most embodies Spider-Man, in my opinion. And that's where we get to number one. So you have Tobey Maguire that um, played in the first three Spider-Man movies. And he came back for No Way Home and did a phenomenal job. And he's always just had that weird like method of acting and portraying Spider-Man. But it worked because Spider-Man had all these problems. And, you know, it was supposed to be one of those heroes that, like, you really looked up to and was just, you know, really ingrained in you and made you kind of be like, man, I'm going through that stuff. And I think that's why he's number one. He just embodied the character so well, even if it was unconventional methods to getting there. So since we're on the talk about Spider-Man, I'm just going to go through my top five of villains in the live action. And I'm just going to give my favorite scene with them. So number five is Electro. I really liked his character. Um, Even from the Amazing Spider-Man 2 when he was blue, I just thought it was cool. I'd say my favorite scene from Amazing Spider-Man 2 is just their fight scene at the end. I think it's awesome. And then from No Way Home, it's the part where Doc Ock comes up and just grabs the uh, power source off of him. Number four is Mysterio. I think my favorite scene with Mysterio in it was when he's like fighting the fire monster. I just thought it was like weird because at that point you realize that he was actually the bad guy. Uh, Number three, I'm going to go Doc Ock. Favorite scene with him is the train battle. I mean, everyone knows that. It's pretty iconic. Number two is the vulture. 100% my favorite scene with him is when they're in the car and they're going to the homecoming dance and he realizes that Peter is Spider-Man and it's just like, Oh, I wish you better. Or it was great that your old pal Spider-Man was there and just looks at him through the mirror and you're like, Oh shit. Like he knows Then number one, I'm going to go with uh, green goblin, Willem Dafoe's green goblin. I think that the favorite part that I have is the fight scene at the end of the original Spider-Man And he's just kind of like, you can tell he's that crazy because he's like trying to make amends with Peter after he gets his ass kicked. And then you just see the glider rise up and the, the impalers come out and it's like, 
oh no. But I just think that kind of shows like how good he embodied Green Goblin. So finally, I'm going to rank my top five Spider-Man movies. Coming in at number five is Spider-Man, the original one from 02, I want to say. Great movie, great origin story. Uh, CGI is a little outdated, but Green Goblin was such a great character. And it really just introduced a cool aspect of Peter Parker. And a lot of people that are big comic book nerds are like, oh, I don't like his um, artificial like web shooters that come out of his body. I thought that was the coolest thing. Number four is Homecoming. It was a sigh of relief to see a good Spider-Man movie so we didn't have to get another reboot or be worried about him again. Vulture was a great villain, and it was just something that kept you entertained. Uh, number three is No Way Home. I think it did a lot of fan service, but it didn't go over the top. I think it had a great story, um, brought a lot of the old villains back, and just kind of gave us the old Spider-Man that we wanted to see. Number two is Into the Spider-Verse. It is just the coolest animations ever. I like the Miles Morales story and how he kind of has his own like mini Spider-Verse. Um, I just thought that was really cool and the whole story just kind of flows well together. Number one is Spider-Man 2. Um, definitely one of the best movies of all time in my opinion. You have a great soundtrack. You have a great story. Um, Spider-Man's beat down. He loses his powers. He doesn't know why. And... Basically, what you come to find out is his love for Mary Jane is the reason that he wants to give up his powers, but the reason he also gets them back because he wants to keep her safe. Just one of the best stories with some very iconic moments, and I think that is the best Spider-Man movie of all time. So, like I said in the first podcast, I like to collect like old marketing memorabilia and like collectibles, so Joe Camel and... Um, Marlboro stuff and it was brought up in my marketing class the other day and the question was like or the topic was like um, revolving around how they got rid of marketing cigarettes and like Joe Camel and the Winston Cup and different things and I just thought it was a very interesting topic so I had a question here is marketing cigarettes with Joe Camel and other branded items making kids want to smoke? And should it have been removed? So I'd really like to hear some comments in the um, Instagram section. I'm going to make a post here after I release this. And in my opinion, I don't think so. Um, although they were cool characters, there's no way that those characters made kids want to go out and smoke. I mean, um, especially nowadays, it's just cool collectible stuff. But and I collect that stuff and I don't have the urge to go out and smoke cigarettes. And I just think for people to say that it's like they didn't like the fact that cigarettes were being shown in a in a positive light with cool characters and that there was a smoking problem. But it didn't come from that. And I think that's where, you know, people are a little too sensitive about what's going around with them. So um, for those of you that don't have like old like Zippos and like Joe Camel Zippos and Marlboro Zippos and the Adventure Team stuff and you know all that other stuff it's really really cool if you're into it and it's definitely not going to sway you to want to smoke cigarettes so my product review for this podcast episode is going to be the Bose Quiet Comfort 35.2 headphones um, these headphones are over the ear and they are very very good 
Their sound quality is great. Their noise cancellation is phenomenal. They're they're sleek and good looking. Um, and there's really no drawbacks other than when I mow grass with them um, and it's windy, you can hear the wind whipping around on the outside and it's really obnoxious and annoying. So if you're not planning to use them out in the wind, very, very good option. Also, the app that they use so you can control the different features is very like outdated. And I think it needs a new update for it to be a lot better and useful. But overall, to use the headphones, you don't really need it. So I would give this product like a 9, 6 out of 10. And it's my number two on over-the-ear headphones. So finally, I'm going to talk about a show that I want to do a quick, brief review on that's not giving out spoilers. So the show I want to talk about is The Boys on Amazon Prime. It is basically a superhero show on crack. Um, there's so much gore and violence and suspense. Um, it has a genius way of setting up the villains. So, you know, basically like the bad guys are bad guys, but like the public doesn't know it. And they're basically on this committee that makes them look like good guys. And the show just opens a lot of paths for the future and different things to happen. And there's not really much more I can say other than get past like the first two or three episodes and you're going to be like, wow, this is actually like a crazy show. Um, it's one of those where you're going to have to spend a lot of time on it because each episode's like an hour, but it's definitely worthwhile to watch it. Um, especially if you're into superheroes and you're tired of all the, you know, Marvel, like trying to be too cute kind of deal in phase four here. So that's going to be all for my podcast. I hope you really enjoyed it. I'm going to try and get another one out probably Sunday night after football, maybe even Monday morning. So stay tuned and let your friends know about it. Thank you.